Hey, what's up, DBC fans? If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let us explain. Well, first of all, Freddie, the best part is it's free. There's nothing better than using a free, awesome service. To make the process simple and easy, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor helps people find your show by distributing the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more platforms. Also, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. I like like money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. We love using Anchor. It's a great platform that lets us hear from the fans and reaction theater with Anchor's Leave a Message feature. So when you create your account with Anchor, you can also utilize their feature and make your own podcast. TJ will uh, be your first guest. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M to get started. This is Dale Jr. and you're listening to Dirty Mo Radio. Outside, door, bumper, clear the AT. Best car ahead here in a long time. You're going to do it. You're going to win it. Right with you. You're clear. Check the flag. You win. Oh, yeah! Woo! Do you want inside information? You will not be able to repeat it to your kids, but you will learn and you will laugh. Door bumper clear is on. Hey, everybody. I'm TJ Majors, part of the 88 Cup Car, 7 Xfinity, and 29 Truck. And the only one joining me in studio today, other than producer Josh. Hey, guys. It's KB. And Mm -hmm. on the road today is... Brett Grisfan still in Pocono. Holla. Right now, Brett is sitting in a heart-shaped hot tub <laughs> on his cell phone doing the podcast. Yeah. Next to a heart-shaped I've had so bed. much fun up here. I don't want to leave, man. I love it. Yeah. You and, you and me both. So, let's, uh, we want to thank um, Exalta for having this awesome studio for us to do this in. Yeah, and speaking of Exalta, don't forget to head over to the revamped ExaltaRacing.com to get all the latest news, photos, and race schedule for Dale's number 88 Exalta Chevrolet. And also, we want to thank One Main for being a huge part of this and, and giving us the opportunity to, to really make this all happen and bring this show to you guys and, and have fun. Hey, I know that uh, I know TJ knows Brad Little. Kristen, do you know who Brad Little is? I do. All right. Well, Brad calls me the other week, and he's like, "Man, Kristen's got a great voice for radio. Like, I think she could. I think she could make a career out of this." He didn't say anything about me and TJ. And we're the two guys that <laughs> yeah. are supposed to be carrying this freaking show. Well, she does have a face for radio. <laughs> yeah, you knew that was coming. You're such a jerk. <laughs> uh, so Brad Little, for those that don't know, he drives Casey Kane's bus, and he, he binge-listened the whole way home from Kentucky. You know, basically he left Kentucky Speedway in the middle of the night and drove all the way home, straight home. So to stay awake, he listened to Door Bumper Clear. So obviously we did a good job of keeping him entertained. But I think he was – somewhat obsessed Kristen with your voice so if you've got his number maybe just call him and leave him a voicemail every now and then yeah maybe you could maybe you're like the Morgan Freeman of women <laughs> wow that's a yeah. compliment really. I love Morgan Freeman he can narrate he's anything he's awesome yeah yeah maybe that's you maybe you can narrate stuff that's funny <laughs> oh Heck yeah so anyway we, uh, I, I Pocono boys yesterday and I said the Pocono 400 now stands for 400 hours of Pocono not for the yeah, that was uh, we were there a long time, and and granted, uh, NASCAR made the right calls all weekend. Really, 
I mean, I think so anyway. Did, it rained not long. I mean, it, when they called it, it was there was a storm getting ready to hit there. So, and that would have really set I think, us back. Man, I think there was some disconnect between the PA guys and the fans, you know, because the fans are looking at the same thing TJ and I were looking at, which on Sunday afternoon was a dry racetrack. And I think we're up there going, hey, what's taking so long? Well, we know that it's because of the weepers that were in turn one and turn three. And and that's a dreaded word in our sport. And I think maybe the PA guys didn't have as much info and insight as we had to pass along to the fans because the fans were booing and chanting and all kinds of crazy stuff, which I completely get, man. I've been to sport events where I was frustrated. But I think there may have been a little bit of a disconnect between the PA guys and communicating that kind of stuff to the fans. TJ will tell you, we hate to hear the word weeper, man. Yeah, and there's, you know, that's just part of – it's part of something you deal with and you go there. And I'm. it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just a – it's a product that's that's what you get when you have older racetracks sometimes and it's part of it you know i'd almost deal with i would rather deal with weepers than have a repay and everyone race around the bottom so it's one of our fast lane questions but we might as well talk about it now do you guys want to explain what weepers are to people who don't know what what you guys are talking about uh yeah i mean weepers are what when it rains real hard and it rains for you know rains for a day or so and the ground is just so wet Every time, you know, in the water, there's little cracks in the pavement. And when the, you know, they weep out, you know, regularly. But when you also put cars over it, it pushes down on the ground around it and pushes more water out. So when it rains and the ground gets real soggy, this water has to escape. I mean, that's kind of my definition of it. What do you think, Brett? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think the question becomes, what can these tracks do to prevent weepers? When we look at a place like Pocono, Yes, it's an older racetrack, but it's relatively new in terms of the asphalt. I mean, it's been repaved within the last seven or eight years. So what can you do to prevent a weeper from happening? It's not the first time it's rained up here at Pocono. So my suggestion is after heavy rains, these track operators need to be going out and looking at their racetrack and figuring out if there's things they can do to alleviate the pressures around where the weepers are occurring. When you look at yesterday, we had a ton of rain Sunday night some rain monday morning yesterday we had zero weepers because they went in on sunday afternoon and sunday evening and cut holes in the track and lines in the track to help the water drain from where those weepers were coming from so the tracks in my opinion need to get a little bit more proactive so that the fans don't have to sit there and look at weepers to only come back the next day and they're all gone because somebody took action i think that that some of these places were being really reactive to it we went to kentucky a few years ago and we sat through weepers for two straight days before the repave there so I feel like there's probably some small things these guys can do. It's just they don't really think about it until 100,000 people show up at 40 race teams. Yeah, I'm not really sure you can really fix a weeper either, by the way, because to me, if you cut it, that's a future weeper. You know what I mean? You're cutting a hole right now, but that's just going to make it – could that make it worse down the road the next time it rains real hard? Is that going to be a bigger weeper? Um you know, I yeah, I don't know, man. I just know that you know we've come here before, and they dug up turn three after a heavy yeah, night of rain, and, and they fixed some drainage issues. And, and I, obviously a weeper is ultimately a drainage issue, and it seems like when the sun comes out, it really draws out moisture out of the ground and onto the racing surface. And when you watch these guys go up with a skill saw and, and basically cut a line to alleviate the pressure and allow the water to drain, it helps. I mean, we, when we looked at Sunday – the weepers, we couldn't even get the cars out of the garage because that's how bad the weepers were. And then yesterday, we had no weepers with the same amount of rainfall. So I think there's some, some engineering things. I'm not a civil engineer, don't claim to be one, but I certainly would like to hear from track presidents and track operators as to what they do when we're not there to really look at them because it's almost like they don't pay attention until it matters. Yeah. And, Brett, you said something on Twitter, I think, 
about looking at the location of the racetrack and like the season of the year, you know? Was that you? Yeah, man. And I thought you, when you brought up Twitter, I thought you were going to bring up something I said about Hillary Clinton. So I'm glad you <laughs> go there. Um, the, the, and, and I think I think that's something that, that Josh has got in the show for us to discuss, too, is they're looking at start times, and, and they're looking at moving all of them back for next year, and they've already kind of announced it. And when you look at a track like Pocono, we call this race on Sunday at 2.55. The race next year won't even be scheduled to take the green until 3.20. So you presumably could call the race before it's even scheduled to start. I think when you look at some of these rainy markets, potentially rainy markets like Michigan can be, like Pocono can be. And, oh, by the way, those are large tracks, which means they take a long time to dry. They're also large tracks with no lights. So you're really putting the fan and the sport in jeopardy in terms of being able to actually have the event on the day it's scheduled just based solely on the start time and where you're at market-wise. Yeah, I mean, it's some of these, like Brett said, some of these, they're big tracks. So... I don't know. I mean, I, I'm all for what's best for, for you know, the people that are going to be watching that are entertained. You know, if 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 uh, you know, I I don't I don't necessarily like the, the later start. But if it's what what people what accommodates the people at home a little bit more, I'm okay an hour or two later. Are those start times based on feedback from fans, or is it was that purely unilateral from NASCAR? I think it's by TV ratings and stuff gotcha. when they. I think that's what it is. Brett probably knows way more about this than I do. I, I think Dale Jr. hit it on the head with his tweet. I think they're just spinning the wheel and trying new things. I, <laughs> I'll tell you this. Alan Bestwick told me years ago when ABC ESPN had the broadcast that for the Xfinity Series, he did not specify this for the Spring Cup Series, but for the Xfinity Series, the later they can start that race in the day, the higher the ratings are. That was proven back then. Now, clearly some things can change. I think the summertime – you're throwing a curveball when you say, you know, hey, let's let's really focus on later start times because to me, summertime's afternoon, late afternoon. People have things to do, dinners to go to. I was a big fan of going to church as a, as a kid, going to grandma's house at 12:30. The race was coming on, and they were going to start racing, you know. And, and during the summer, I think earlier is better. But you know, where they're coming up with these kinds of things, TV definitely has a huge voice in it. NASCAR has a voice in it. And let's be honest, man, the fans that are on Twitter are mostly about things. They're not telling us how great the sport is fans are fans are fussing you know I, I send out a tweet i'll get 100 people you know fussing about something and one saying man that's great you know it's like everybody on twitter wants to argue and, and be pessimistic as crap oh twitter's just a place for people to go complain about yeah i i you know i don't i used to do the same thing no i used to do the you you knew the race was at one o'clock basically every sunday no matter what back then it was like almost given you know that you, you you guarantee there was a race at one and um, now it seems like it's you don't even know really when it's going to start. Honestly, you, you got, it's a different. different we don't time. know when it's going to start. You're yeah. right. We have no clue. You got to look at the schedule each week and kind of figure it out. But um, I don't know. But I, you know, if it if, if it's better at two or three o'clock, you know, I I said right about does shorten the window up though, especially when when you get to these bigger tracks and the time changes and it gets darker earlier. You gotta if you get a rain shower, you're really and there's no lights. You're kind of kind of setting your you're kind of making your bed pretty early okay you being I, th- so I think it goes back to what we even talked about on, on previous shows it's it's more changes and these changes have at some point have to stop i'm an nfl fan i know they're going to kick at one o'clock they're going to kick at four o'clock and they're going to have a night game and they're going to have a monday night game i don't have to wonder when i can watch football 
you know. So I, I feel like to TJ's point, That's very we used true. to all know it was one o'clock. Well, now we don't even know when it is. We've got to look at our schedules to know what time we're going to be there. Uh, just the other week, they were like, "Yeah, we're racing at three. and I'm like, three, three <laughs> o'clock Eastern." They're like, "Yeah," and I was like, "Oh, well, I'd have been there two hours too early." You know, like it, it's tough for us to even keep up with it sometimes. It is agreed. We'll be in the garage and be like, "What times? The, what times the race today?" What are we at? We're next? idiots. Busher wins rookie. Spot on, of the spot year. off. Tender. Oh, we didn't talk about that. No. Oh, we're skipping. We just, we just gauge when we're talking oh, okay. based on when Kristen gets out of the care center. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations for making two consecutive shows. I did it. Two in a row. And I wasn't yeah. in the I wasn't in the care center in Iowa. It's great. Yeah. All right. What you got? Spot on. Spot off. Fog brings out the red flag. Uh, spot on to me. You can't. I mean, it was bad fog. Like, you guys you see can't that rolling see. in? Yes, you could. It's like a huge wall rolling in over turn one and down the back stretch. Uh, spot on for the red flag. I didn't realize you don't realize how important seeing your car is until you can't see it. <laughs> what? I mean, it, did you not think that, Brett? Yeah, man, I, I'm spot off though because Mother Nature can kiss my ass, man. I'm tired of her and what she's got going on with us. I don't know why she's mad at us, but yeah, she better get over it. But yeah, man, I couldn't see. I told Clint, I was like, hey, man, I can't really see you for the first half of Long Pond straightaway, and he's like, oh yeah, you can. You're just you're just BSing me, and I'm like, no, I really can't. And he nah. come back around, and he's like, man, I can't see the infield, and I was like, I told you I couldn't see you. And then next thing you know, we're all looking at the tower because this is one of the places where the spotters can actually see the tower, which means the tower can see us. That's where Mike Helton, yeah. David Hoots, Richard Buck, these guys that are calling the racetrack, we're all jumping up and down going, we can't see the racetrack, and we couldn't. No, I, I actually told Jeff one time, I said, all right, you're, you're clearing the one, I'll see you when you get to three. Because, <laughs> I mean, you, you literally couldn't see them when they got to the middle of one, and then they would pop back up right before they got into three, and I literally told him that one time. I mean, I look, hey, you're clearing the one, uh, you know, I'll see you when you get to three. And he asked me one time if there was any safety trucks on the on the long straightaway. I'm like, I'd love to answer that, man, but there is absolutely no way that I can see that. It was pretty, yeah. pretty thick. And, and, and I think TJ and I selfishly want to be able to see the racetrack, but from race control standpoint, they can't allow the race to go on because they can't see the racetrack. They, if, if a wreck happens, one, they can't see it. Two, they can't dispatch safety equipment and know that they're sending out an ambulance and a fire truck and it not be in danger with another competitor out there on the track. So we have our personal concerns from spot, from a spotting standpoint, but the tower itself, they can't allow a race to go on in those conditions because they can't see for a safety standpoint to take care of a guy if he gets in an accident. It's a bad deal. Yeah, and I'm not sure how thick it was inside the fog either, but if you're back there running maybe 15th, 20th or something and the couple guys wreck racing for second or third or something into the tunnel turn, I don't know if you, you know, I don't know if you would have an early enough warning to get slowed down in time for it to be safe. I'm not sure how thick it was in it, but um, you know, it, yeah, well, I literally could have got out when when after Clint went into one yesterday. It takes about under green 30, 35 seconds to get back near turn three. I could have got my cell phone out and checked my messages, like because I had zero visibility of what he was doing. It was bad. Yeah, I couldn't. I mean, you literally, and you don't. There's a being a spotter, you see your car every lap all weekend every corner and then when somebody takes away three quarters of the racetrack i mean you kind of feel like you, you kind of feel helpless and 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 uh it's not a comfortable feeling as, as a spotter no. when you can't see your car for that long speaking of a spotter uncomfortable feeling how about those three mobile one cars man can you imagine trying to spot those things yesterday uh you know i yeah i couldn't 
you know, they were... Um, couldn't tell them apart? That you could not tell them apart until they got on the front stretch and went by you. You could not tell no. them apart unless you had... I I had to, I actually got out my really good binoculars that I have, not just the wide-angle ones, so I could see over to the tunnel turn a lot better and stuff, and I could pick them out, but I could not tell otherwise other than that. It was uh, yeah, so, a nightmare. From a competition standpoint, Yeah, they came by they practice, do- I was like, all right, man, it's clear behind the 14. And I'm like, oh, uh, sorry, that's the 4. Next yeah. time, I'm like, all right, clear behind the 4. Yeah. Oh, yep, that's the 10. Sorry. Like, you, until they came under the flag stand, it was really tough to figure out who it wasn't. At a big track like that, that's a challenge. Thankfully, it wasn't at a plate track, just for the spotter's perspective. And, look, I mean, fans don't necessarily care and sponsors don't necessarily care. But for what we do, we want to be able to distinguish our car from the others. And in that case, man, that wasn't possible for those guys. Right. That's what I'm saying. Does that not come into any factor with competition and and spotters when they're doing, well, I guess, the paint schemes on the top? There's there's these really smart marketing people like Kristen Bauer (laughs) at JRM that take care of it. From from their standpoint, but you know, a lot of times these conversations aren't being had. And, no, you're absolutely and right. I, I've always been very fortunate with Elliot because I was involved in other facets of his career. So I would see paint schemes and I would go, "Hey, we need a bright roof number on this thing, or we need bright door numbers, or we need to do something to make me be able to find this race car." But obviously, nobody had that discussion as it pertained to those three cars this weekend. I think we just blame Josh. Yep. Hashtag blame Josh. Yeah. I didn't know you designed cars. Yeah, I did. All three the same. Nice. Well, the paint schemes here, they have to go through, they go through sponsor, us, Dale approves each one, and then to NASCAR. So you think... We also have a very, our, um, I will, you know, just over the years, we've had a really good department that does the designs, cars, and stuff. Dale Jr., we've had some buddies that have been in graphic design and stuff, and and designed up some a lot of the race cars, and they do a really good job. Junior Motorsports does a great job every week of posting the graphic on who's in what cars. Even the cup side, they do it for the cup stuff mm-hmm. too, and it's really um, they do a really good job with it here. So that they're strong at Junior Motorsports in that department. Spot on, spot off. Chris Boucher, first rookie of the year contender to win in seven years. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. That's your, that's your answer. <laughs> I mean, the other, you know, the last one was uh what Logano? Mm-hmm. Okay, that was 7 years ago at Loudon and that was also a rain shortened. Oh, really? Yep. Yeah. That's interesting. It was rain shortened as well. Hey, I mean, congrats to those guys for hitting the strategy right, man. Pocono's a road course basically when it comes to that for strategy wise like Sonoma. And you can have upsets. That's one of the But you think that was a strategy? What they knew that it was going to rain so just Uh well they pl- when you yeah, this is a strategy cuz when you're not when you're that far off the leader's pace, you have to play the opposite one and it worked out. Hmm. Um, yeah, spot spot on for me, and I'll tell you why. There are 20 other crew chiefs right now kicking themselves in the butt for not doing yeah. the same thing that Busher did. We saw how dark it was behind turn one. We saw all these leaders start to pit. There were a lot of guys that could have stayed out and won this race, and they didn't. And they didn't because the crew chiefs made the decision to pit them because they were pitting them based on the race going as complete distance. It didn't go as complete distance. And as a result, Chris Buescher won. So his crew chief should be the one getting all the, the, the praise. Certainly Chris drove the race car, but the call and the strategy is what won him this race. Yeah, he uh, – I mean, it was it was definitely a crew chief sitting there calculating numbers and, and, and radars and everything else, and, and it was definitely more of a crew chief call here. Obviously, Chris drove a good race to not be in any trouble, to, to be in position where he was. You know, the, there was three other guys or four other guys on the same strategy, and he was in front of them. So he did a good job of doing that. But, um, you know, it's not – if you go to quality passes, I'm pretty sure he's probably not going to be in the top 20 on that list. 
Yeah, no, this is a this is a feel good story. I mean, this is the underdog wins, and when you look at some of these fuel mileage races, probably the most recent one that sticks out in my mind was when Eric Amarola won Daytona with the King on the King's birthday. You know, several years ago, that was probably a rain or the last rain shortened underdog win that I can really think of. And in both scenarios, the Amarola one and this one, if you go back green, if you surveyed the guys on the roof and you said, "Are those guys still going to win?" The answer is going to be no. Uh, and, and it just fortunately played out. I mean, when you look at Paul Menard, who won the Brickyard on a fuel mileage race, that race went the distance. So that is, you know, even a harder race to, to kind of win from, from yeah. a crew chief standpoint, which Slugger did as crew chief. But when you, when you look back over history and you say, hey, who's going to win this race? You're not going to pick Chris Buescher. I think I saw a stat that his best finish this year was 14th. And now the guys want to race. So it's really hard to win, but it's more common you see guys win when they start running in the top ten, running in the top five, and not just show up and win like Busher did. But a great story yeah. for his team. They've won before. I think it's been several years ago, but, man, that's awesome. Yeah, it was David Gilland at Talladega. But like Brett said, the Talladega deal, Paul did a great – they were saving fuel riding around half a track behind the leaders um, for a while. Him and McMurray and a couple others were doing the same thing, but – and when Eric won at Daytona, that, like Brett said, too, as well, as you, if it goes back green, they're not going to win. Even though in Daytona there was a there was a huge wreck, and I think only like half the field, if even that, was still running in the race. Um, but but a win's a win, man. You know, you got to – they're going to they're gonna celebrate. I'd celebrate it, too, wouldn't you? Heck, yeah. I, I mean, he got the trophy, yeah. he got the money, he got the chase bid, and he probably got a girl or six. These – <laughs> These races aren't aren't. Thought he went off the Utah to road course race. There's a bunch yeah, of women out there. Don't they deal with multiple wives and stuff? He fit right in out there <laughs> after a big win. I did see that. So apparently, after the race, he had to catch a plane and fly out to out west, probably to Arizona, maybe um, to a driving school there. Um, and he's going to road course school now. So maybe maybe it'll rain or something will happen at the Glen. He can get off sequence and go two for two. Yeah. Spot on, spot off. Brad Kozlowski says road courses are the most dangerous tracks in motorsports. Spot off, man. This guy's crazy. We've seen some bad wrecks, but everybody does walk away from them. You know, when we look at history and we look at where these guys are injured, they're injured at New Hampshire. They're injured at plate crashes. They're injured, you know, at, at Michigan's. They're, they're not – I know these road courses can certainly have some really bad angles, but this, this comment's a little bit over the top for me. Yeah, I mean he's probably he's probably a little bit biased about it because he did go in he did break his foot or whatever at, at testing a road course and then have another failure in the turn one at the Glen so he's probably a little bit biased about it. Um, but I will say that road courses there's definitely a lot there's definitely a lot more angles that you can hit at in different places and if, if stuff goes right there's definitely more potential for crazier looking, well crazier looking wrecks too like you can you're going to be able to back in like uh you know, I almost, I almost agree with him a little bit because there's just more places to go because we, we lost our brakes in turn 10 at Watkins Glen about five or six years ago with Dale Jr. And I just, you know how we can just see the begin, the entrance of that turn from the spotter stand? Yeah. So I yeah. saw him go into that corner, and I saw absolutely nothing but him fly through there and then just a bunch of dust in that fly up and then tires fly up. You know, and that, um, you know, it's all almost kind of, I don't know. It, it, I'm I'm fifty fifty on that because I think there's a lot more opportunity. Because if you get hooked at a road course, you could be turned in a direction where, you know, you're not really you don't really know where you're going to end up. And we've seen some pretty pretty crazy wrecks at road courses. 
we have Kristen. I'm not going to put you on the spot. I'm going to put Josh on the spot. Josh, do you know why? Wake up. There's Hang on, Josh. Get up. Slash bus stop on the back stretch. I'm sorry. Go what? <laughs> do you know why there's a chicane slash back bus stop on the back stretch at Watkins Glen? Uh, to slow them down. Why? J.D. McDuffie, to TJ's point, J.D. McDuffie was going down the backstretch, and I won't attempt to get the year right, but J.D. McDuffie years and years ago was going down the backstretch, and he lost his brakes, and he went head on into the wall, and it was a fatal accident. That's when they came in there and made the bus stop, slow the speeds down to do exactly what you said to slow them down. But, you know, know, have guys been seriously injured and and even killed at road courses? Yes, but overall, I think that our ovals are still a lot more dangerous than, than these places are. I'm looking at Rex like out of the out of the chicane out of the um the sweeper there where where JD McDuffie um crashed there. You remember when when Sam got off there and come back across the track? Just right. Oh yeah, he, he came back across, come yeah, out of the carousel. Just and like look, let's Rex not, like let's that. Not forget about Jimmy Johnson's wreck in that number ninety two car. <clears throat> yeah, or he Denny drove for Herzog. Man, that was scary. Denny a few years ago went into turn one and and head on it. There's just no other. There's no way around it if you have a malfunction in turn one you're you're gonna end up head on there but i think um i think the tires do a great job of of absorbing a lot of stuff and i almost think uh you know they tear up race cars obviously if you hit the tires it just chews the race car up but it's a much softer impact so those guys are uh you know it's awesome the track does a great job of with safety there and stuff but um, I definitely think road courses are pretty dangerous just because of the angles you can hit at. It's not just sliding up and hitting a wall. It's, it's you know, like Sam, come off, hit the wall, bounce back on the track, and Jeff Gordon coming off there has nowhere to go, and there's just a huge wreck. So, heck, wasn't that where Michael McDowell's car was sitting against the wall and, like, missing half of it or something too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. David Rudiman took a big tumble. Oh, yeah, Rudiman's wreck. Do you remember that, Kristen? Mm-mm. Josh? You don't you don't remember David Rudiman bell rolling into turn two at Watkins Glen? Yeah, because he huge. oh it was huge. Yeah, I was there. All for, you guys listening, get out your internet. And you I know. Get out your internet. Get out your internet. Get out your internet. Get out your internet. All right, what do you got next? Spot on, spot off. William Byron wins fifth truck race, sets record for wins by a rookie. Go ahead, Brett. I'm spot off, so. I, I, I tell you why I'm going to be spot on. You know, winning five races is certainly a big feat. But when you look at this guy's career, he's only been doing this for four or five years. He Most most guys start racing between ages five and age seven. This guy didn't start racing until four years ago. So he's went from legends cars to late models to trucks relatively quickly, and he's winning. And you can either have a nose for winning or not. So spot on just for the fact that this guy knows how to win. I know that. You know, he's right now with Toyota. I also know that there's a lot of other owners going after this kid. It would be interesting to see where he ends up next year because he's a pretty hot commodity to be a young guy. And, and you know, the, the, the key is, TJ can, can tell you this, the key is having a fast vehicle first to compete in. But the second thing is talent. We know he's got fast cars over there, fast trucks with KBM. But he certainly is showing he's got the talent and the nose to win. Yeah, I, w- I would like to see – I would like to see how he does – in you know a, a little bit lesser of equipment because I you know I haven't seen anything he's had to do yet really to go out of the way that it really impressed me you know I know that when I know that when Eric Jones runs that car he gives Kyle Busch a run for his money every time you know what I mean he's up there racing he's up there racing with Kyle every single time so um, I get I'm pretty impressed by Eric but I you know and I think Will Williams really good and he's doing a really good job um, 
he's doing a really good job. He's not making any mistakes when he's leading when he's getting up front and leading them races. He's not making any mistakes. And he's uh the, doing the good. thing that's changed the most in the sport since I've been here is what TJ just said. You know, when, when Elliot Sadler came up through the ranks, he had to get in a not so competitive car and prove he could do well. He did that at the Wood Brothers. He won a race with the Wood Brothers, you know, and then he gets another break at Yates and gets another break at Everham and you you literally had to prove your way in order to open doors. And then we saw a guy, um, you know, like, like, like Chase Elliott, like Eric Jones, like this William Byron kid. They're coming in in the greatest equipment, and they just keep getting handed greater equipment. So it, it's changed a lot, man. I, I think you probably won't ever see a William Byron getting in something that is subpar equipment unless he's on his way back down and on his way out. Yeah, and it's kind of you know it's kind of sad that way because there's so probably a lot of very talented race car drivers out there that will never get an opportunity to to move up that have you know that have an exceptional amount of talent just because they're they're driving they can't afford anything other than a C a C grade car or something like that you know and and uh, they're just never going to get a shot at anything else. Now you uh, you go back and look at Jeff Burton's career and. Jeff Gordon was kind of the first guy to get the big break without really having done a whole lot. But you go back and look at, you know, Dale Earnhardt's career, Jeff Burton's career, I mean, Dale Jarrett's career. All of those guys were self-made men by getting into subpar equipment and, and performing at a higher level with it. And you just don't get a lot of opportunities to do that now. Yeah, I mean, I, Jeff was really Jeff was really successful, though. Jeff Gordon was really successful at, when he was in the midgets and stuff like that. He won a, He won a lot of midget races and stuff. But, like... Like uh, so William drove here. William drove mm-hmm. here, and, and him and Josh Barry were teammates. In 2014. Yeah, him and Josh Barry were teammates, and and I think William might have won one or two races, but you know Josh, I think won maybe eight or ten. You know, so yeah. And that was what two years ago, TJ, or a year ago? I think it was three. It was in 2014. Three years ago. Thirteen, fourteen. Yeah, two and a half, maybe yeah. then. Yeah. 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 So, but it's cool. I mean, he's not making mistakes, man. He's making it happen. So, more power to him, man. He's doing great. So, sit tight. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll get into Fastlane. Hey, Junior Nation. Now more than ever, exclusive, entertaining, and free content from the world of Dale Earnhardt Jr. is no further away than your fingertips. It's all thanks to Dale Jr.'s Dirty Mo' Radio presented by Exalta. All eight Dirty Mo' Radio podcasts are available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and, of course, DaleJr.com. So whether you're at home, at work, in the gym, on the run, or just hanging out, Dirty Mo' Radio gives Junior Nation its newest and most versatile way yet to plug directly into the world of Earnhardt anytime, anywhere. So we are going to get into Fastlane. I'm going to give TJ and Brett a topic to debate, alternating who responds first, and each of them gets 30 seconds to voice their opinion, and the first person gets a 30-second rebuttal. rebuttal. <laughs> <laughs> you're so stupid. TJ, you're first. <laughs> TJ's first. Ask me the question. Chris Boucher won yesterday at Pocono in the rain slash fog out. Will Chris make the chase this year? He is currently 31st in points, and you know you have to be 30th or better. Uh, I think Chris Boucher makes the chase. He's got, you know, some things going in his direction. They got momentum now. Um, you know, all he has to do is go out there and, and have a couple more solid finishes he's going to be in. His teammate's also in the top 30. So that could play into an effect here at some point. Maybe the 38 car has a little problem every sometime down the road. Um, so you never you never know. I, I think Chris Buescher is is a proven race car driver. You know he's an Xfinity Series champion, but he's getting re- ready to race 
with a lot of pressure that he hasn't had. I mean, this guy's outside of the top 30 in points, mainly because he's wrecked at every single play track. But nonetheless, he's left a lot of points on the board. He can't do that anymore. He cannot wreck. He cannot have failures. Roush, Doug Yates, those companies are going to have to get heavily involved to help this kid have better equipment to make it. Do I think he will? Yes. Yeah, he's got a couple things working in his favor. Now he'll start getting – he will probably get the better motor they get every week. He'll get stuff like that. He'll get a little bit of preference for the next month or so from, from the team, uh, from, you know, wherever they get their motors from and stuff. And he'll get a little bit of preference over that, and it'll probably be enough to, to bump him in the chase. Rumors are circulating that Furniture Row is going to field a second car next year and that Eric Jones might be in the conversation as the driver. Do you think he is ready to move up to the Cup Series? TJ? I mean, Brett, sorry. I was about to say, he just went first. Um, <laughs> do I think he's ready to move up to the Cup Series? Well, I don't know. I mean, you know, he ran some Cup races for Denny Hamlin last year, and he certainly didn't run as competitive as he has in the Xfinity Series. Their Xfinity Series cars are turned up right now. When you look at Sam Hornish goes out, dominates the race in their car, and then he comes back in the Xfinity Series with RCR, and he can't even run top five. He gets outrun by Brent Poole. Like, that shows you how dominant their cars are. The whole cup thing, man, I don't know yet. Yeah, I don't – you know, I was impressed with the speed that he had, but like Brett said, he's got – he's one of the other ones. He's in the best stuff. But I do like the fact that he can run with Kyle, and he goes up there and pressures Kyle a lot. So I think Eric will adapt when he gets to the cup series. I think he will adapt um, if he's in great cars like Gibbs cars or – furniture row car if he gets in one of them i think he will adapt and he will be competitive i think he's a hell of a race car driver i think he certainly is on path to get in a cup car next year based on the silly season rumors that we're hearing it's either going to be a second cup car at furniture row or potentially a car at jgr i think we'll just have to wait and see how it shakes out if he's going to go cup racing that's the perfect scenario to do it for sure as far as getting in fast cars NASCAR released the starting times of the races for the 2017 season. Some races have been moved to further in the day. Do you think this will help with TV ratings and attendance for 2017? TJ. Are you trying to get me fined? (laughs) I don't like the start times being put later, personally. I do not like them, but if it helps with attendance, I am all for it. But I prefer to actually make it in home in time. Are you a politician now? That was so diplomatic. I like to make it home in time to give my girl a hug and a kiss before she goes to bed. TJ, if that's not going to happen, can we fly together and you just hug and kiss me and pretend <laughs> her or that get weird? Uh, well, it's already <laughs> weird now, but sure. <laughs> so, so yes to what TJ said. Does it change attendance? Man, I don't think so because fans are even going to have to stay even later to get home to get to work the next day. So, if anything, it may hurt attendance. What we're seeing with this, this happening, though, is it's all about the TV audience. That's who they're catering to. We'll see if it works. Yeah, I don't. I, I really hope it works because if not, I really hope we don't get a couple rain showers that really that keep us there. You know, just late enough where we can't get the race run or started before dark. That'll be a really big. That'll be a big problem if that something like that happens. But um, I'll be optimistic for it. We'll see how it goes. I like your optimism. Yeah, it's refreshing. Are you being cynical? Both. The opening series. (laughs) More coffee, please. The opening ceremonies for the Olympics are in Rio this Friday. What is your favorite Olympic sport to watch, summer or winter? And does it include the river of crap in Rio? (laughs) Uh, 
I think I like the Winter Olympics better. This I, is Brett. Brett goes first. Oh, it's oh sorry. God. Y'all, no, actually. I, I'm out of the studio, and y'all just screw this whole it's thing me. up. We, we skipped a, we skipped uh, a question. Okay. I am sorry. a huge snow skier. I love snow skiing, but I have a huge respect for what the summer athletes can do compared to the winter athletes. I would much rather watch women's gym, gymnastics than I would women's figure skating, so I'm going to have to pick summer, and I think we're going to go kick everybody else's ass in the world like we always do. Go USA. I uh I would love to see you do some gymnastics, Brett. Like rhythmic too, with the rhythms. yeah, anything, <laughs> anything, <laughs> anything, anything. I, I like the winter stuff too. I like the I like when they do the ski jumps and stuff, and they um go a long ways. I kind of like that stuff, so I'll roll with the winter. Those track and field guys and girls are cool to watch. I mean, they're pole vaulting and they're running and they're jumping into sand and throwing shot foot. <laughs> and I've got videos somewhere of me doing back handsprings with back sucks. I'll see if I can fish it out for you, TJ. Yeah, I, I would really love to see that because I'm pretty sure that probably doesn't exist. <laughs> I, I had a rat tail so. back then, too. It was really uh, cute. He had a rat tail. He wears jorts. He's been in music videos. Like Brett, I think Brett was in that one video when he was telling telling the cops where the guy went and he was getting it like Dale Jr. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen that brett yeah that's oh awesome. man that was probably pageland or somewhere where, where yeah. are you from again yeah pageland, pageland. Yeah, South man, Carolina. that's it that's coming up man we're not we're not too far from hitting that place no we're not far from being ready to go to darlington man one of god's greatest gifts to nascar <laughs> so hashtag AskDBC, where we take some questions off of twitter and facebook and the gentlemen answer them at XU Mittens asks, what are your thoughts on running the IMS road course for cup cars? Uh, absolutely not. That might be the worst <laughs> idea I've ever heard. So, so this person's not winning? The <laughs> no, I don't like the ro- – I like elevation change in road courses. That road course is built for for Formula 1 type cars. It's – um, uh, you know, I, the only road courses that I think – I don't know if better agree with me or not – are the ones like Sonoma, the Watkins Glen. We have braking zones. We have stuff like that. I like uh, I think those have more character and fit our cars a lot better than than the the street courses or something like you know real just flat the whole way. Yeah, we don't we don't need to take a a a, a weekend that's already <laughs> somewhat monotonous and make it even more monotonous. So the the cup cars, if we're gonna run there, we need to run on the big stage, which is the same car, same track that the Indy cars run on. You know. If, if we're going to experiment with that, let the Xfinity Series, you know, try it to see how it does. But to TJ's point, race teams go test or used to go test at Kershaw, South Carolina, or at VIR. And the difference was Kershaw, South Carolina, had no elevation changes and VIR had a ton. So before you went to Sonoma, VIR made a lot of sense for you to go set your car up. So it, I, I'm with TJ. I think that the, the hillier and the more character, the better the race is, the, the bigger the braking zones matter. Like, I, I'm I'm with TJ on this. I support everything he said, which is rare. Look yeah. at you two. And even if they're going to experiment, put the put the cup cars on the little track. If you want an experiment, that'll be interesting. Yeah. Here's the weird thing for me, and, and I may be getting ready to get fined for what I'm about to say, but... I'm going to leave the room so can be no part of this. And you Plausible say, deniability. all right, Brad Keselowski was involved in a really bad wreck, and it was at a test. Why Why are we doing that? Like, we're supposed to have no testing, and now we have NASCAR mandatory testing, so the driver has to go test. The team has to go test. Guess who pays for that? The team does. So the team's going and spending 
anywhere from a hundred thousand to two hundred thousand dollars just to go test for our sport and it's not really helping the team it's helping nascar's science project of which tire do we need to bring how competitive are these guys going to be what kind of lap times are they going to run and when you look at it you say why 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 is brad keselowski tearing up a half a million dollar race car and potentially injuring himself for nothing like i don't I don't necessarily understand the direction we're going in for testing right now. What do you think, TJ? Yeah, I honestly kind of liked the, um, you know, it was a little bit, it made the schedule a little bit harder, but I kind of liked having the handful of tests where we would go to and stuff at certain tracks. You kind of knew where they were in the beginning of the year, and you just went, and, and uh, that was it. Now, now, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I, I miss the old testing schedule. I never thought I would ever say that. I like the term NASCAR science project. Yeah. <laughs> Well, they said no testing, and now we're testing more than we've ever tested. That's the, yeah. that's the strange part. You know, the owners formed this RTA, Race Team Alliance, to cut some cost. And, and one of the things they wanted to cut cost on was testing. And the reason that, that they can cut testing out, the race teams can, is because the engineering and the simulation is so much further advanced than it used to be. You show up at the racetrack, you're ready to race. So you literally can go test. And, yes, you can learn some things, but the spin doesn't equate to what you're you're gaining so it's 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 better economically to just not go test and now we're testing more than we ever have and it, it literally is to just be the science project for for the product that we're putting on the track let me ask you this what do you think about why doesn't nascar have it have test teams themselves hey that's my thing put a hans device and a, and a helmet on brett bodine or david green build your own car and go do it like let, yeah why don't, why don't they have somebody some of these expenses because the team is assume, assuming all of these expenses associated with it, and they're burning their guys out, man. I mean, you're a team, and you're getting ready to get in the chase. You want your guys fresh, and you're testing Watkins Glen. You're testing Indy. You're testing Kentucky. Man, you're worn out, you know. I mean, it's, it's not, part of the grind, but it's not It's not, it's not that would they use of our time. Just put it, on, put it on the manufacturer, make each manufacturer build a car and send? Or, or that, but there's plenty of drivers out there that could be, what do you do? Well, I'm NASCAR's test driver. You go, and they go to these tracks. They do the tire testing. And they go and do the fuel runs, and and uh, if you want to test a certain package, you build two cars like it, and you go test them or whatever. Um, I'm just kind of, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I mean, I, I know why, but <laughs> I'm not saying it. Yeah, I'm not either, but it, it, it's expensive. <laughs> yes. At Got Tulip asks, should fans be allowed to sue a track or NASCAR knowing there's potential for debris from wrecks at a track? What does Got Tulip mean? means they he has tulips. Tulips. You got tulip, Josh? Yeah. It's like I got, got milk, but yeah. for flowers. Uh, for flowers? Like, you think that person works in a flower shop or something? Maybe. All right, what's the question? <laughs> Should fans be allowed to sue the track knowing there is potential debris from Rex at a track? I... You always, buy a ticket, and they're on the back yeah, of the Yeah, on ticket, the back, there's a disclaimer yep. saying, look, there's potential for you to get hurt. This is... Mm-hmm. It's like anywhere else you could go to a football game and, and be looking away and the quarterback throw it into the third row and, and could hit you in the face and you know what i mean you never there's potential everywhere you i mean i don't think it's fair that people can can sue from that when you take the risk of going there yeah, it's just a bad situation i mean i hate i really hate that fans are ever in jeopardy as far as your safety yeah, goes absolutely but unfortunately, it, it is part of sports. I mean, you can get hit in the head with a, a fly ball at a baseball game and, and ultimately, you know, 
be seriously injured. You could clearly get you know hit with some debris at a racetrack and be injured. Overall, though, I think that we've made a lot of safety changes to keep the cars on the ground and tether the wheels to the car. I mean, we're we're certainly as a sport and as venues doing everything we can to keep it safe. But I don't know, man. I'm I'm not a big fan of suing. I mean, these disclaimers, as we all know, they don't mean anything. You can't really sign away your right to sue in most states, and people are suing for everything. So, yeah, whatever. At Mason Feldman 51 asks, aside from the drivers you spot for, what driver do you think your personality is most like? Oh, man. Go ahead, Brett. My sister says I'm like Tony Stewart, that I'm a fun, chill guy, and then I get really pissed off really easily, and then God only knows what's going to happen next. So I, I, I guess I'll follow her lead and say Tony Stewart. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm not really sure who. I mean, TJ, do you get mad? You're super laid back. I I get mad. Yeah. I mean, I get mad. Brett, TJ Brett. might be like he might be like Matt Kenseth actually. <laughs> Just real quiet. Or not. I'm not quiet for sure. But uh, you're a little bit. But Matt's really Matt's a Just, chill dude. You know, you're a little bit sillier than Matt is, but he's got an awesome sense of humor and prankster. And, hmm. Look at that compliment you just got. Yeah, An awesome but, sense of humor. But then he gets mad and he handles stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't ever really get I get mad but I don't ever get that mad. Luck somehow I don't ever really I, I'm pretty good at keeping my composure. Ah. Alright, I'll take Matt. I'll take that, thanks. At Travis underscore forty eight asks, if you could change hairstyles with any athlete or celebrity, who would it be? Hmm. I'll go with that soccer player. That one? You know, the one that changed, the really good one that changes his hair all the time. Right, right. You know what I'm talking about? David Beckham? No, the other guy. The guy that's seen Ronaldo? Play. It's not Ronaldo, it's the other one. Messi? No, the other one. I, I, I don't know any other Should soccer Should I just players. Google soccer player yeah. hair? All right, Brett, you go first while I find this guy. Right now, I have what's called turning hair. It's turning gray and turning loose. So, if I had to pick a celebrity to change hairstyles with, I would 100% go with Justin Bieber. Whatever he's rocking, I want to rock it with. I should have guessed that. We shouldn't have just gone straight there. <laughs> Neymar. Well, I can't do Michael Jackson because my hair won't really do that. Yeah. I uh, I mean, I, I'll go with Neymar because you never know what he's going to have. And I don't know if I, I don't probably wouldn't look very good with crazy hair, but you never know. Hey, but, I have a question. I was thinking about this the other day. What would happen... Oh if they had a race where there were no spotters. Regular cup. Oh, yeah, his hair is weird. His hair is crazy. What do you think would happen, Brett? I love a good man <clears throat> walk on a man. It'd be a cluster. It, it would be I a cluster I think so. from an infrastructure standpoint. Like, there are a lot of little things that we do to help with the lineups, to help inform them pits are open, where their pit stalls are at, which helps them not hit pit crew guys on pit road. There, there are a lot of little things that we do that fans don't necessarily understand. It just overall makes our sport so much safer for the pit crews, for the drivers, and even to some degree for the fans sitting in the stands. So logistically, it would be really tough. I'm not saying it's impossible because they do it at dirt track levels and they do it at other track levels. It's not impossible. It just we do a lot of little things to make this show run really, really smooth and to make us be able to go back green a lot faster than what we would if, if spotters weren't present. Yeah, he's right on that. They would be the lineups there. I mean, even even Jeff Gordon's coming off turn three at Pocono, saying, "All right, where?" And I'm I know I'm hand kind of into line stuff, but they're 
wanting info. Where am I lining up? Where am I running? What's going on here? Um, where's the wreck at? Who was in it? What? Where's the debris? Anything like that. There's just so much. There's a lot of communication that if you take that away, and not to mention the racing's close a lot, and if you take us away, they're not going to know they're three wide sometimes, and there's, I think there's a lot more potential for danger and, and bad accidents. At Bradley, and, and, and oh, TJ just made me think, hold on a second, TJ just made me think of something. There's a lot of safety workers out there, Kristen. There's a lot of safety trucks out yeah. there, and it's our job, along with the drivers, to, to help them not put those guys in jeopardy. So in addition to the drivers and the crews and everybody else like we help the safety workers be as safe as possible too and that's something that has changed a lot since i got here 17 years ago initially we weren't as worried about the safety truck it was like basically hey follow the guy in front of you do whatever he does now it's when we're coming off pit road we're going to blend up earlier or we're going to do some things differently to help keep those guys safer so again we make it safer we make it run a lot smoother than what it would if we weren't present 10 four it's true at Bradley 88 so, so Billy asks. Quit trying to fire the freaking spot. I'm not. I see 100% value in you guys <laughs> now that I know you exist. Jeez, PR girls know everything. I <laughs> know, uh, right? How about we try a couple years with no marketing people? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you have a super fan, Brett. This guy, Bradley 88 Billy, asks Brett, can I be your assistant to hold fan and spray bottle for you on hot days? No money, just beer. Uh, this It's a dude who's in love with you. Cute. Dude wants to be my assistant. Yeah, he wants to fan you and spray you with water. <laughs> why this, why is this got to be a dude? Why can't it be a hot chick? <laughs> well, bro, no, maybe You're it's a hot hired. dude. Uh, hey, yeah, have Sorry. you looked in the mirror? <laughs> I'm up there with 39 other dudes. We need some hot chicks up there. No, you're you're not in, dude. Sorry. <sighs> I, I think you should go anyway, Billy Bradley. Billy, I think you should go anyway. <laughs> And the worst this part is about the same it is, dude that tweeted me last night and wants to grill raccoon in Bristol. Yeah, <laughs> it is. What? It's disgusting. Yeah. Oh yeah. Just think, dude, you could eat a raccoon while you're getting misted <laughs> by a dude. <laughs> <laughs> if this dude took his shirt off in the middle of that, I'd, I'd be freaked out. <laughs> Do you think he has one on right now? Oh, no. this is getting <laughs> <Okay>. weird. <laughs> All right, Pocono predictions. I mean, not Pocono, Watkins. Watkins. Yeah, Josh. Oh, Holy cow. There's <laughs> Josh's, Josh's mess up Josh right messed there. up. Great. Watkins Glen predictions. Speaking of Pocono predictions, that's another chip Man, chipping away at lately. it. I, gotta, I, gotta, I know who I'm picking this week, so it's not really... I know, too. Yeah, right. <laughs> I know, I know. Man, I had the last there. couple picks. Yeah. Brett, well. why are you letting TJ beat you? Because there's what? no bonus what bullshit. Tony finished, like, top five, didn't he? Yeah, he finished fifth. Yeah, I don't know if that was Tony or if it was Harvick or it was Dan. I know. <laughs> I'd actually go back and look because I couldn't tell either. Yeah, my so, guy Kurt, man, he just didn't man up. You know, he got a he got a body modification penalty right before the race. They <laughs> sent him to the rear. He just he was never a factor. Mm. I got so, Almondinger this week. I'm picking oh, first. I got the AJ the Dingaling Almondinger, and I have made so <laughs> much fun of this guy over the years on the radio that there's no chance in hell I'm going to win just from pure karma. So I have to find somebody that's going to run, that's going to run competitive with AJ, or I just totally bomb it and hope AJ has a problem. And I yep. pick and I pick Chris Busher to win, and he beats AJ due to attrition. Um, yeah. So. 
looking at this list, I definitely think I will go with... Are you super excited for football season? Is that why you're wearing your Buffalo Bills hat? We're going to New York, where the Bills are from. Yeah, but you never wear that. I know. Let me go with... Uh, you know, I, I still need to beat. I still need to chip away at Brett here. So you said I you thought knew he was going to break pick. a record and actually pick a driver without a seven-minute delay, but nope. that's fine. No Over man, under on seven minutes. I, 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 you know, this takes time. I'm going to go. I'm not getting any younger. That's obvious. <laughs> um, you know, I'm going to go with uh, Brad. That's I got a strong pick. I got to get up front. I got to chip away at it, and Brad's going to be fast. So That's a big pick, man. Yeah. I almost pulled the upset with Paul Menard against Amendinger at Sonoma. He beat him by two spots, TJ won. So Brad Keselowski's always fast at, at the Glen. Yeah. So that's, that's going to be a hard one. He was fast before he you know, KO'd the, the turn one deal there, too. So um, Yeah. He's a hell of a road racer, man. He's they've got it figured out, and he's gotten really good. I'm telling you, the best one of the best road course races I've ever seen were him and him and Marcus at Watkins going. That was you almost didn't even spot your car the last lap. You just watched the race. Did you Did yeah. you have that problem? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when, when you look <laughs> at Sonoma versus Watkins Glen, Sonoma is a lot slower. It's a lot more technical. You have to really set your car up in the first corner to get ready for the second corner. You look at Watkins Glen, it is crazy fast. Every part of that racetrack is super fast except for the carousel. So you're balls to the wall. And, and, and the same guys that are good at Sonoma aren't always good at Watkins Glen and vice versa. So Brad is one of the guys to beat at Watkins Glen. I think yeah. he's got a strong pick. But Dingaling is going to come through for me. I feel it. Yeah, I'm, that you, Dingaling normally comes like, through for you. Like, I know what balls to the wall means, but how did that come up? about like balls oh. against a wall like i don't understand because when you're go i mean when you're going when you're going around a corner no i know what it means like <laughs> but like i'm just trying to go figure get out. go get two tennis balls and just start throwing them up against the wall <laughs> yeah balls against the wall okay <laughs> i don't know how it came about but i'm glad it did because we use it all the time it's like those weird measurements yeah. it's like buttload and <laughs> have you ever said <laughs> Have you ever used? So I got to tell the story, the Josh. Josh, you can't you can't beat this out. So because it's not going to be a bad word. So my little girl <laughs> was three years old, and she says, "Dad, what does shitan mean?" And I said, "Honey, a what?" She says, "Shitan." And I said, "Honey, I, I don't know what you're saying." She said, "Well, you say it all the time." I said, "Oh, shitan. Yeah. Oh, that means a lot. Sorry." <laughs> yeah, she was three. Wife was thrilled. Good day. Uh. Yeah, I mean that's pretty cool. Dad of the year. Chaton. A chaton? Chaton? Is that it's something French? Yeah. Is that, is that like them yeah. things they put on a salad? <laughs> you like a chaton. <laughs> wow. All right. All right. We're wrapping uh, up. We're over, so you guys can't rant about anything today. Why? I want to rant. You ranted about the fog and weepers. Uh, whatever. You just want to go to your staff meeting. TJ's from New York. TJ, what do we we need to expect weather-wise, man? You got any good? You only have to be uh, sunny, some clouds, see? chance of rain, cool evenings. Oh, hey, you're like a meteorologist. Long walks on the beach. No, <laughs> 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 um, no that's a great area, man. It, it's really nice. I mean, you're getting ready to go up there probably today or tomorrow, aren't you, Brett? Yeah, I'm heading to, I think, Lake Seneca today. I'm going to go yeah. up there, man. And that, that infill, what do you think that infill holds, 100,000 people? 
Uh, yeah, probably, probably easily a hundred thousand. I've camped there many times, and it's some of the most fun I've ever had. Do you guys fly into uh, Elm? Is it Elmira? Uh, Elmira or Ithaca? Ithaca. No, We're Ithaca. in Ithaca, right? We go to Ithaca. Yeah, but uh, it, it's nice there. It's usually cool in the evenings. Um, it, you will get some rain showers and stuff, but it, it's just a good area, man. The the landscape there's lots of hills, and it's just a nice area. Brett's getting. I'm kind of jealous. You're getting ready to go up there and have a good time with your kids because your kids are gonna love it. So. Yeah, we're going to kick it on the lake. And then we actually stay in Ithaca. Is that where y'all stay? No, we stay down by Corning. So I'll be down. And Corning's an yeah. awesome town, too. You've been to Corning? Mm-hmm. Corning's good. Love That's Corning. A, yeah, yeah, Corning's awesome. That's where they uh, make... Ithaca's a hall, but Ithaca's a cool town, man. It's got Cornell University there. Yep. I actually applied there and didn't get in for college. And, uh, <laughs> oh, really? It's a big college town. I like college towns. How did you apply for there and not get in? Cornell's a hard school to get into. I don't know, man. My SATs were like 600. I can't figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, And he got that for putting his name on the form. I had a lot of friends that went to 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 Corning in in Syracuse, so that's that's two of the biggest things. Um, Cornell and and Syracuse Mm -hmm. are two of the biggest schools up there, so... But I have a lot of friends camping at Watkins Glen this weekend, too, so if you do see somebody doing something crazy, I probably know them. You went to high school with them. Yeah. Yeah. They went to high school with me. Right. Well, we see any at TJ Majors tattoos on the infield with some of your buddies? Uh, No. Well, I don't know. I can't say no because then you probably will. So um, <laughs> you'll probably see some You'll probably see some T-shirts. Uh, they, they, they like to buy the T-shirts and wear them. They thought it was the best thing ever last year to walk through the garage wearing – there was five of them together, and they – I think a couple of them cut the sleeves off of them and did Standard. stuff like that. Yeah, and they were it's funny. They were hungover and still drinking the next morning, so you know they were having a good time. You actually can't be hungover and drunk at the same time. That's why most people pick drunk and just keep drinking. Well, <laughs> I was trying to cover it up, but uh, <laughs> yeah, they they have a good time. Maybe uh, they camp outside there, so maybe when we get out one night, we'll go out there and they'll give you some juice. Sounds good. Let's go check them out Saturday. Yeah, you're not going to be able to go, Kristen, because you'll be leaving. I'll be flying out. Unless you want to stay. I want to stay. She can't go. Chilling up in the care center, dude. She can't oh. go. <laughs> it's true. It's probably true. <laughs> anyway, Josh, are you spotting this All weekend? All right, I know Josh is giving y'all the wrap-it-up sign. I'm out of here. I'll see you guys next week. Hey, Bye, Brett, Brett, do you not want to use Josh? No. No. Nah. 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 You don't nah. want to use Josh? I am. All right. This only seven-footer here. All right, let's get out of here. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Thanks to Exalt in One Main. Peace. At One Main Financial, we believe in the importance of community. That means partnering with our neighbors to reach common goals, lending a hand when it matters most, and commitment to our neighborhoods. Community isn't just where you are, it's where you make a difference. One Main Financial, not just in the neighborhood, but part of your community. Providing personal loan solutions and one on one local service. One Main Financial, your needs, your goals, your dreams. Offer subject to restrictions and requirements of the licensee. For licensing information, visit our website or call us. You've been listening to Door Bumper Clear, brought to you by One Main. For updates on Elliot Sadler and the number one junior motorsports team, go to OneMainRacing.com. This is Natalie Sather. Tune into Motormouse every other Wednesday to listen to Katie Carson and I ask drivers off-the-wall questions with even better answers right here on Dirty Mo' Radio. Thanks for listening to Dirty Mo' Radio. 